Good morning, Acklin. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's smiling. I hope everybody's eating a big breakfast. I hope that everybody has someone they can share today with, whether in person or on the phone. I hope the, the sadness and our broken hearts that we're experiencing, I hope that you've got someone to walk alongside and pray with and be with and cry with and hold either in your home or in your heart. I'm glad to be talking with you. I can't wait to see you again soon. Today's reading is from Jonah 3, 1 through 10. Here we go. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. I'll be reading Psalms chapter 6, verses 5 through 12. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is for him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. For trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. Do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. God has spoken once, twice. I have heard this. That power belongs to God. Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy. For you render to each one according to his work. I would like to read a prayer that came at the conclusion of one of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s sermons at the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in, on August 11, 1957. It expressed King's conviction that self-centeredness is not the path to God or to the most productive and meaningful life, especially for the truly moral and rational person. This prayer is entitled, Help Us to Rise Out of Our Egotism. Please pray with me. O God, our gracious and heavenly Father, help us to rise out of our attitude of self-centeredness, out of our egotism. Help us to rise to the point of having faith in you and realizing that we are dependent on you. And when we realize this, O God, we will live life with a new meaning and with a new understanding and with a new integration. We ask you to grant all of these blessings in the name and spirit of Jesus. Amen. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. Good morning, church. During the pandemic, Every day of the week has been shaped and changed, but in some ways, no day of the week has been altered as much as Sunday. Formerly, 
We got together physically in one building, and as we took communion, we looked at each other. We sang together, something we desperately miss now. And instead of worshiping at 9 a.m. at 900 Ackland Avenue, we've worshiped at various times in various places the last nine months. In our pajamas in the living room, on a walk around the neighborhood, or maybe even in the cars you're driving around, maybe even on, on Monday or Tuesday. We've talked about the challenges, but let's admit that some things have been good about this rhythm. Sundays are certainly more relaxing. Some of you have even told me, so this is what the Bible means by Sabbath. (laughs) You know, we miss the activity, but we enjoy the rest that comes without all the hustle and bustle of all the church activities. Many of you have told me the realizations you've had listening to our worship podcast while taking a walk or a hike outside. I mean, I love our church building, but God's word comes alive in a different way. When you can see a blue sky, the changing of the leaves, and the beauty of birds, deer, squirrels running around. And last but not least, pandemic Sundays have allowed more family time, especially around worship and spiritual practices. I pray our girls will have good memories of sitting in our living room, around the speaker, listening to the podcast, singing songs when Matt asks us to pause, sometimes passing communion, sometimes throwing communion. That's a different story. We we laugh more during worship since it's just us. You know, we we get the giggles sometimes, and it's cozy. We each joke about who our favorite announcement person is. It's relaxed. It's, It's warm. And our congregational reading has become reciting with Matt, You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue. <laughs> I mean, I, I miss being with all of you, and and I'm so ready. I've been ready for so long to be back, but I got to be honest, there's a small part of me. It's a tiny part, but there's a small part of me that will miss pajama worship in the living room. I will miss the conversations I was able to have and the things I've learned from my family. At some point, we'll return to in-person services. It will likely be a gradual trickle as the vaccine gets distributed and people make their own personal risk assessments. But let's soak in any positives of worship at home. Specifically, church, there has never been a better opportunity for families to have honest, authentic, spiritual conversations at home together. There has never been a better time for parents to share their faith and teach their children. There's never been a better time for parents to listen to their children, dialogue, and pray together. And no matter what you've done the last nine, the last nine months, and however long this is going to last, let's, let's take advantage of this time. Yeah, I think the negatives far outweigh the advantages, to be clear. But these small silver linings, like let's take advantage of them. Now, I know not all of us listen to this with our family. Not all of us have children at home with us, but here's the beauty of Ackland. It's something we say and we try to practice. Every adult at Ackland is a spiritual parent, or at least an aunt or uncle, (laughs) of every single child or teenager at Ackland. The reason many of us have committed to a small church is we want to raise our kids surrounded by people who know them well and speak into their lives. A great cloud of witnesses, as Hebrews says. So as we go through this experience this morning, even if you don't have kids at home, think about the Ackland kids, and maybe this will cause you to send them a note or share something at a driveway visit sometime soon. Our gospel reading this morning is Mark chapter 1, 
14 through 20. Mark chapter 1, 14 through 20. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So you've got Simon, later known as Peter, and Andrew, fisherman, and then James and John. James and John grew up working in their dad's fishing business. Likely, Zebedee had raised them with the purpose of taking over the family business. Zebedee probably remembered the first time he took them out for a catch. When James, or maybe it was John, came back and told his proud mother, I caught a fish this big, as he held his arms out. Their parents were very proud of them. It seems they submitted to their parents' authority, worked hard, and brought honor to the family name. And then one day they left. They walked away. Their dad, Zebedee, sat there in the boat with hired workers and watched them walk away. I picture him unable to take his eyes off them. He kept watching till they became dots on the horizon and then disappeared from view. Zebedee's kids grew up and they left him. This is what it means to be a parent. We raise our kids to leave. And while we want to be a nurturing place for them to come back to if trouble arises, we raise them to leave. Even in cultures that continue to live close together as, as families and maybe even work together in a family business, and we've seen different models of this throughout human history, there's still a sense of, now you're an adult. The gospel says even more than this. It's not just that we raise our kids to leave us. There's more. We raise our kids to leave us and follow Jesus. That's our task. That's the intended rhythm. When our kids are young, we're the authority. But as they grow older, we hope that they make Jesus their authority. And hopefully for the Christian parent, it's never, hey, I'm the authority, you've got to do what I say, and then someday you'll be your own authority. No. Hopefully it's, hey, I serve as your parent under God's authority, and someday you will leave my authority and solely live under God's authority. We raise our kids to leave us and follow Jesus. And before I ask you to pause this to have some important conversations, let me throw out some extremes that I think we should avoid. <clears throat> when it comes to the relationship between older and younger generations, when it comes to the relationship between parents and children, I often see two extremes. On one hand, some of us want to do things our way and blaze our own trail. We want to discover the world for ourselves, and we resist anything that smacks of old ways. On the other hand, some want to be an exact replication of their parents and mentors. Perhaps that's because of family pressure, or perhaps they just love their parents so much that they don't question them. Perhaps they've simply come to all the same conclusions. Personally, I find the stubborn refu refusal to listen to any advice 
as well as the attempt to 100% live lockstep with parents. I find both of those to be extremes. I'd propose a third way. And let me use a rock climbing illustration. Likely many of you have been to a rock climbing gym or at least seen pictures or a video from one. Rock climbing walls have grips, <clears throat> and each particular path has a color based on the level of difficulty, and all the different grips have that same color. So you might take the red way up or the green way or the purple way, whatever. But the first time up, <clears throat> I remember the first time I went to a rock climbing gym, as a beginner, I mean, I'm just grabbing onto any color I can find, <laughs> anything that's close, anything that's comfortable, anything I can latch onto. Like, I don't care which, I didn't care which path it was. I was just trying to get to the top. Back to the extreme views. The first view says, I will use none of the rock climbing grips. I'm going to do it my way, blaze moan trail. And the second view says, I will only use one color of grips, and I will go up the same way every single time. I think a more mature outlook says, hey, I, I'll pay attention to the grips provided. I'll watch other climbers and learn. But ultimately, I'm going to be my own climber. And I will ultimately try to find the best way to get to the top. That's maturity. So let's have a conversation today. You might want to grab some paper and a pen, make some notes. If you're listening with others, this becomes a conversation. If you're listening alone, maybe this will lead to a future conversation. Or maybe you'll send a note, an email, or a text to someone in the coming days. As you answer these questions, resist the urge to make it look clean and tidy. Faith is often messy. Being honest helps people more than looking perfect. Don't forget that. So there's going to be three different movements where I'll throw something out and then ask you to pause the recording. First movement, share the story of your baptism. When did you get baptized? Where were you? Who was there? What events led up to it? How has your baptism shaped you? Share the story of your baptism. Spend some time on that and pause the recording until you're done. Okay, welcome back. Okay, here's the second movement. What are three things you believe about the Christian faith and you hope others will believe as well? Hey, adults, try to keep it to just three. These things are a big deal, and you don't want to put undue pressure on anyone else. You don't want to put undue pressure on your children, but you do hope others, especially the children and teens of the Ackland Church, will believe these things as well. These are three big things to you. So examples could include... Um, we should have an urgency about helping the poor, or we should believe in the inspiration of Scripture, or the vitality of baptism and communion. Or it could be a warning of uh, beware the lure of hypocrisy or the evils of racism. could be a belief in the Holy Spirit. It could be the way you see science and faith come together, uh, how you interpret God as the creator. could be the, the essential belief that Every human life has value. Uh, could be God's design for human sexuality. Could be uh, economics or money, greed, doubt, uh, debt, uh, beliefs you have on that. Or it could be um, peacemaking, beliefs you have on forgiveness and reconciliation. Or, or it could be the purpose of the church. That's, that's a list I just threw out quickly. Try to keep it to just three. I'm certain you have more, but try to keep it to just three for this experience. What are your big three? and share those with with people that you're with today, specifically parents talking to children. And pause the recording until you're done.
Okay, welcome back. Here's the third and the last movement. Why do you still follow Jesus? Why are you doing this? Why are you still here? Once again, it's okay if the answer isn't neat or tidy. Honesty, even if it includes doubt, will help people more than fake, clean answers. Why are you still following Jesus? What's kept you going? And pause the recording until you're done. Okay, welcome back. Church family, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, As I look back on my life, I'm thankful for the adults who raised me, my parents, grandparents, all those honorary uncles and aunts at my church. I don't agree with them on every single thing, but I agree with them on many things, including the most important. Jesus is the Son of God, and nothing is more important than that truth, that Jesus is Lord. And to the kids and teens of Ackland, we're raising you to leave us and follow Jesus. And we'll promise you this, when Jesus calls you to leave the boat, we won't stop you. We're providing some rock climbing grips, which we hope help you and guide you. But at the end of the day, you've got to climb for yourself. You've got to work it out with the Holy Spirit. It's your life, and we hope to see you at the top. But never forget, you're not alone. We're in this together. Not just those of us alive now, but we're in this together with all the sisters and brothers and moms and dads who have walked before us, our spiritual mothers and fathers. So I'll end this with a reading from Hebrews 12, after all the stories of faithful women and men in Hebrews 11. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. Please take a moment to uh, to worship God and to prepare your hearts and minds uh, for communion. Good morning, church. I hope this finds all of you well. You know, over the last couple of weeks, we have heard a lot of calls for unity. And I'll admit um, that at times uh, during those calls for unity, I have found myself sort of chuckling to myself um, as these commentators who have spent uh, a lot of time stirring emotions up uh, are now like, hey, settle down, settle down until we do this again in in two years. It's kind of like if I uh, get my dog all wound up and, and, you know, playing fetch and wrestling, then I somehow act surprised if she doesn't want to chill out on the couch beside me. Um, but I'll admit, as that the weeks have gone on, uh, my slight amusement over calls for unity um, have turned a, a little bit more just concerned. And I think that concern is in the the confusion and in the hurt and in the feelings um, 
felt by by brothers and sisters and family uh, that I know and love um, that um, look at everything that's going on and, and think, what what do I have in, in common with these brothers and sisters who, who believe differently? Um, I've even talked to some who have said, you know, if, if this is what those other groups uh, think, I, I'm not sure that I'm interested in being a part of that. In church, that that hurts. Um, it hurts, especially right now in that we can't be together in person, um, that we don't sit next to those people uh, that we love, that our relationships, um, while still maybe strong, are, are less strong than they were, and that we don't sit there together and, and see that uh, common humanity and common bond in Christ with our brothers and sisters. As we get ready to reflect on communion this morning, um, this this issue of unity is, is not a new problem, and I, I wanted to bring our attention um, to a couple of scriptures just to, to focus us um, and, and to focus on the fact that sometimes in, in reaching that accord, um, it's not just up to somebody else, it, it's up to us. So let's start in Matthew 5 this morning, um, starting in verse 23, where Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, So then if you bring your gift to the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your gift. And then if we go over to 1 Corinthians uh, 11, uh, where Paul is admonishing uh, the church there uh, at Corinth who has uh, just issues with class and, and with economic stuff, but with unity as well. Um, he gives them these instructions. He says, now in giving the following instruction, I do not praise you. Because you come together not for better, but for the worse. For in the place when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. And I, in part, I believe it. For there must, in fact, be divisions among you, so that those of you who are approved may be evident. Now, when you come together at the same place, you are not really eating the Lord's Supper. For when it is time to eat, everyone proceeds with his own supper. One is hungry and another becomes drunk. Do you not have houses so that you can eat and drink? Or are you trying to show contempt for the church of God by shaming those who have nothing? What should I say to you? Should I praise you? I will not praise you for this. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which for you is broken. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this every time you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For every time you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together. Lord, I I pray that as we come together in our homes this morning, in our driveways, in our garages, um, as we come together to take this communion, um, your body that was broken for us and your blood that washes us clean, I pray, Lord, that you will draw our mind um, to those that we may not agree with, that we may have divisions with, that may have divisions with us. Lord, and I, I pray that you will uh, compel us to to seek uh, their counsel, to seek their presence, um, and, and that, Lord, we can just discuss our, our disagreements with our brothers and our sisters um, and, and that we can uh, find the unity in, in what brings us together, um, and, and that is that the sacrifice offered by your son. Um, Lord, help us to be worthy of this bread that we eat and this cup that we drink. Um, Lord, help us in, in our example uh to be an example to those around us who have questions about whether or not this is all worth it. Lord, help us always to to point to your son. Uh, Lord, the sacrifice that was made for us and and Lord, just the, the everlasting grace that you extend to us. It's through your son's name we pray. Amen. Our closing reading today will be from 1 Corinthians 7, 29 through 31. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they have none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this day, for the sun that shines and gives us light, for the trees that help to provide the air that we breathe, and the animals and plants around us. Father, for the birds that fill our skies with songs. Help us, Father, to hear all of this as a reflection of your love and to settle ourselves in that love as we approach this week. Many of us are hurting or afraid. Father, please help us to not be afraid as you've asked us to. Help us to see the path away from fear and help us to find the path toward 
the settling into your love. Father, help us with our families. Help us to be the people that our families need us to be, to support each other, to love each other, both our families at home and our church family. Father, help us as we go to our jobs to be the calming influence, the settled people that you want us to be so that we can show what your love can mean to this world. Father, please be with our country as we move into new leadership. Father, help things reflect your will and please bless our leaders from the uh, national level to the state level and the local level. Father, help us to live in thankfulness for your son Jesus and for his life and death on the cross for the remission of our sins. Help us to show that thankfulness in our daily lives. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Good morning, Ackland Avenue, Church of Christ, Brad Knapp here, saying welcome to the announcements portion of our service. Today is Sunday, January 24th, and we want to start off by recognizing a few people that are going to be getting a little bit older this week. Uh, January 28th, we've got two, Mr. Clay Jones and Miss Nancy Denning-Martin. On the 30th, we have Sheila Deloney. We want to wish all of them a happy birthday. We don't have any anniversaries this week, uh, so um, we'll look forward to celebrating with some uh, marriages a little bit later. Just want to remind everybody uh, to continually be on your uh, faces, in your closets, on your knees in prayer. We've got a variety of things uh, to pray about for the health of, of our members, uh, to vaccinations being rolled out, schools starting up again in person, hopefully soon. My fingers are crossed. Please help. Um, and, and then just the, the, the healing of this nation, a new presidency, uh, among other things. Uh, so um, beseech the Lord uh, with the, those things that are, are heavy on your heart or, or areas where you uh, um, are concerned about. Do want to also remind everybody to be looking forward uh, and be uh, maybe thoughtful in prayer about our, our spring retreat. Uh, it'll be early April. Uh, that's the 9th through the 11th, and we'd love to uh, engage with a lot of people. Don't know exactly how that'll look like because uh, we are waiting to kind of see what the protocols will be over that time. Um, but uh, your prayers now will, will help that. Um, I believe that's about all we have. It's a, um, you know, a, a nice start of the year in January, uh, and we hope to uh, uh, see everybody again here soon in person. Love you all. Bye. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, a podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.